Welcome to The Challengers, a VCCP business podcast series where in each episode, a girl goes deep into the woods, challenges a bear, and a podcast ensues. With thanks to the B2B leaders featured for their candour on meeting business place demands and ensuring the B2B experience is every bit as powerful as consumer experiences. Welcome to today's Challenger podcast. I'm Jo Parker, Group CEO of VCCP Business. And today I'm really happy to be joined by Ali Crossley. In March 2019, Ali joined Legal and General Insurance as Managing Director Distribution and reports to CEO Bernie Hickman. LGI provides life insurance, critical illness cover and income protection to millions of individuals and company employees. Prior to joining LNG, Ali was Managing Director of BGL's Affinity Business Junction, having been promoted from customer director and led the acquisition of both Sun Life and Virgin Money Business. She was also responsible for BGL's 3,000 strong customer services team and introduced a number of digital interventions, including web chat, self-service centre and robotic technology. Ali has held the positions of COO for Saga, Marketing Director and Director Lifetime Mortgages for Prudential, and she is also a non-exec director at Age UK Enterprises. So Ali, hello, and thanks so much for talking to me today. It's great to see you. Hi, Joe. Thank you very much for having me. Great to see you too. So let's start with your bear. The thing that you would like to challenge as you go into that forest that we talked about, that wood, what would you like to challenge and why? Um, I would like to challenge entering a new market And the reason I've chosen that is because entering a new market in financial services takes traditionally takes a a lot of money and a lot of time. And I think that um, actually the whole experience that we've been through with COVID and an increase in, I guess, sort of agile ways of thinking and ways of working has given us a real opportunity to challenge ourselves about how we might think in the future about entering new markets and and my belief is that we we no longer need to boil the ocean before we before we say yes we now have got all of our metrics agreed we're good to go let's press the button and go for it and i think we just need to be um much more open minded about uh doing things faster and accepting that that might mean failing faster but uh, so so that's that's my bear joe and let's talk a bit about that, that sort of testing mentality within a business and what that takes. Because you see, you know, lots of um, technology companies are brilliant at this, aren't they? They they test, yeah. they learn, they fail and they move on. Yeah. Do you think the sort of complexity of distribution in financial services and in other B2B markets is a real block to that? I think I think it is. But I also think as much as anything, there's a real... Um, inertia and, and and actually a lack of desire to change the way things are done because well one there are a lot of vested interests along the value chain but the other thing is that the market is massively successful massively profitable um is working perfectly nicely thank you so a newcomer might come into the market and think they can shave corners off and they probably could and you wouldn't you wouldn't set out to have an infrastructure and a complicated distribution a network like the one we have now but the fact is that it works so i think there are and there are so many vested interests in in not unpicking that i think for me i think that's the biggest challenge 
Do you see that changing though? Because I mean, we see with buyer behavior, we see it massively, obviously in D to C, but in B to B too, digital buying behavior is massively changing that, isn't it? So it is. Um, it is. So actually you can't really sort of sit on our laurels, can we? And I, I was reading something this morning yeah. where someone's saying, well, look, the benchmark isn't going back to 2019 and saying, well, you know, how do we get back to 2019 is where where do we go from here and how do we do things differently and better? And that's got to yeah. be the opportunity, hasn't it? Yeah, no, I completely agree, Joe. I think I think no, I, I think there isn't an alternative. I think we do have to change. Well, I know we do have to change. Customers will walk with their feet if we don't. Both they they they'll one they won't want to go to the traditional distribution routes that they've done historically, and and two they won't want to access their products in the traditional way going forward. They they want and and we can see obviously from the data, and we can all see I'm sure in all of our businesses that you know that as you say there are more and more digital transactions and digital interventions at every stage of the customer journey now and it's all about fast access convenient access personalization and it's also I think about cross cross product and, and, and customer needs it's not just thinking in silos as as we probably have been guilty of doing certainly in life insurance and in many areas of of um, financial services you know if you're a wealth advisor you tend to think about wealth if you're a mortgage advisor you think about mortgages they and actually customers don't think like that customers think they've got one pot of money and they need and they have these particular goals in mind and, and they want the products and services and people they interact with to to be on that same wavelength as them and to enable them to think, uh, join the dots between the different categories of products and services that they might need to access and to give them solutions across those different um, products and services. So I, I think, yeah, we have to change, absolutely. And so does that mean creating sort of um, sandbox situations within businesses and, yes. and and sort of hiring for different different skill sets what you know what? I agree I think it's those things and I think it's also having different metrics for success and I think it's going to be things like setting up separate perhaps separate R&D budgets um I think will be really important absolutely the sandbox uh, completely and I think ring fencing teams of people and innate, giving them the space to work in a truly agile, you know, agile teams um, to get into being scrums and so on is going to be really important. And actually, what I thought was a really interesting example of how the business or the industry responded so well to COVID and certainly my own business responded incredibly well within the first sort of five to six weeks there was a huge amount of pivoting going on there was nobody in head office saying this is what we need to do people were making decisions all over the place putting out fires and if only we could harness some of that mentality and also permission to behave in that way so obviously it's a cultural thing then that will be to the benefit of the industry that's really so, interesting yeah. isn't it that 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 ability to be agile and to be very customer focused is absolutely that that ability is there. It just needs yeah. the permission to flourish. So, I mean, you've worked with many sort of different high profile companies and they've got very complex products and distribution landscapes. I mean, going into entering new markets is one way, but you know, what what will be the key drivers of future success, do you think? Will it be looking at, at the customer need in a more holistic way, as you, as you talked about? What are the other things that will drive success? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think, I think the other thing that is, for me, the number one biggest thing 
is how we treat our people in the broadest sense. And I do, I mean, I've always been a strong sort of people champion, yeah. but this yeah. it's, it's so important. And again, I think COVID has taught us the importance and the power of empathy and the importance of actually understanding people more on an individual and on a personal level and the payback a business gets from that demonstration of empathy and care, genuinely caring for their people is huge. And I think that the companies that are you know, showing the right sort of people type cultures and empowering people to, you know, work in the way they wish to work and whether, you know, a hybrid way of working as we're doing now and really genuinely embracing that right from the top of the organisation, trusting people. I think is going to be probably the biggest driver of success for future. I mean, the apart from the you know the other obvious ones as we've touched on is having digital access, yes, and having the thinking like the customer, which we've been saying for the last thirty years, for goodness' sake. But actually, genuinely putting yourself in customers' shoes and thinking about this, you know, one pot of money, one set of goals. What are all of the different routes for them to get there? And 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 having enabling the customer to. Um, to navigate those really difficult financial journeys in a really easy, simplistic, sort of joined-up way, is going to will set apart the winners from the losers in the future. And I guess maybe is it looking at partnerships with other organisations as well? So you're not the only source of wisdom in that experience from a customer or you know whether that's B two B customer. You know you work a lot in the B two B marketplace. Um, yes. working in partnership with sort of, you know, fintech providers and, and, and not expecting to be the only person in that ecosystem. Absolutely. Uh, yes, I agree. And I suppose it's also just being clear what the overall vision for the business is. You know, is it about a really deep vertical integration or is it about horizontal integration? Is it about going into different geographies? And I think actually the other thing that's so important for the for future and it, it becomes increasingly apparent to me the longer I stay at a more senior level is just being able to really really clearly articulate what the vision is for the business what you're actually trying to to do I mean in my case to be really clear about what our what our vision is for what we want to do in the mortgage industry um is it's a really exciting vision but you've got to be able to articulate that really clearly for your people and I think I think that is also makes a very big difference having so having leaders um who are not just of course very high IQ and and you know brilliant in the technical sense but also being able to um to do that communication piece to be able to 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 show that empathy and and I guess to be a broader the broader sort of CEO, the people like you, Joe, people who are both smart and high EQ. Well, thank You're you very much. <laughs> and, and that sort of vision piece fits into my next question, really, which is about purpose and impact and how yeah. how much that's on the corporate agenda, on the board agenda for you and, and how that's guiding the work that you're doing. Yes, it's a really good question. It's something that is incredibly important to legal in general. And if I was working in the investment management business and, and running that business, I, that would be something I'd be thinking about every single day. Um, and, you know, the ESG credentials of all the organisations that but all stuff that we're doing as well as all the organisations we're investing in is absolutely core to everything. I guess because I'm in life insurance and mortgages, 
it's less obvious and tangible on a daily basis. But that said, I am extremely clear in working for LNG that that our whole vision is about inclusive capitalism. And the only reason the life insurance business exists is is it because it plays a role in the inclusive capitalism vision. And basically, I mean, then that is all about ESG, really. It's all about sustainability. It's all about doing the right thing whilst also accepting that we are responsible for policyholders' pensions and share we have shareholders money and we have to give both of these groups a return and obviously we're in this to make money but we're only going to make money if we can do it in the right way and we will only invest in businesses who do who are committed to the Paris agreement and those that aren't we're actively disinvesting from and all of those um you know we're 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 using our money and walking with our feet where companies aren't aren't actually um, meeting the commitments that they've publicly made, which is, I find that incredibly motivating. Because you're a very rare, rare breed of female board director in financial services, very rare indeed. And uh, I know this is something that you, you're a great um, supporter of, of women and and what, you know, what is your perspective on driving greater diversity and inclusion what do you tell people yeah. in your business about that? Yeah, well, so I actually sponsor the DNI, all the DNI initiatives for 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 my part of the business. So I'm yeah. really quite. It's a big part of. Um, you know, I'm really focused on it, and I, I, I guess I'd say we've done a huge amount in the last. And I think the industry has. And I think the really important thing is to number one acknowledge that we've got a problem, and number mm-hmm. two identify two or three things that businesses can do that are going to make a difference. And the, the first thing would be if you don't have decent metrics. Where you know if you if you can't actually answer the question about what your DNI profile is in your organisation, then you jolly well ought to be able to. So sort that out, and then you then you can quickly see where the big gaps are. And in our case, certainly the, in, on the gender side, we've got far too few women at senior level in um in the business. They're very well represented in lower groups, and it's definitely better than it was a few years ago. And Nigel, our group CEO, is very committed to this, but. I think inevitably, because women are the ones that leave the workforce to have children, they are the ones that are the most likely to work part time. Um, we lose women at the sort of the middle career level too frequently. And I think one of the key things that I'm actually going to be looking at this year is well, the, the question, the, the statement I, that, that I basically said to the team is we should never ever assume that just because somebody's working part-time they're not really serious about their career it's just probably it's very likely to just be a moment in time for them when they either can't afford or have chosen to be spend more time with their children but if we don't structure our working days or our opportunities in the business to be accessible to those who are also working part-time for for example which is part of the dni thing it's about part of the inclusion agenda then we will lose swathes of talent so I think there's so many things we can do. The biggest thing we did last year at LNG that has really impacted DNI is reverse mentoring, which which I mean basically I led the initiative and it's now spread across LNG or it's rolling out across LNG where we took we took our executive team, some of whom were very anxious and nervous about about this, particularly those with very high IQ, I have to say, and lower EQ. <laughs> 
you can imagine the types who were really worried about op- having personal conversations or being mentored. They became the mentee and being mentored by people from several. We, we chose several different subgroups, whether it's LGBTQ+, um, gender, age, work status, neurodiversity, disability, etc. all of those. And it was the most powerful thing we could have done. It was it was emotional for the for the, all the people involved. The board were just blown away with the impact. So the insights that came out of it were really incredible. We we ended up with about 30, 30 plus actions that we agreed as a senior group that we needed to take forward. And we've now we've we've grouped them together and I think we've now got about eleven key ones that we're going to be rolling out. But back to this point at the start, really, you have to identify are there two or three things that you can do that are going to really shift the dial? And one of the th- yeah. things that's obvious and is really important is to communicate and to ask your people what they really want you to do that will really make them feel that you're listening and that you care about this stuff and make sure you get feedback all the time. So, And I guess, you know, do you think COVID and the pandemic has helped with that? Do you think we, we've kind of become more aware of differences and 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 the ability to listen better do you think I really think we have and I actually think somebody said to me it was very interesting somebody said to me that the pandemic for her had seen the right had meant the rise of the introvert and this is a a a shy actuary said that to me and um I thought that was really true I do actually think that the pandemic has helped in this regard because it's it's um We've all been encouraged to be. We, we've also, well, we've been, we've we've all gone into each other's homes. So I can see your home environment. You yeah. can see mine, and you suddenly start to build a picture of people, don't you? In a way that you wouldn't have done previously. And also, I suppose back to your point about agility and flexibility, and tr- and trust is we've had to trust because there's been no, you know, no other no yeah. other option. Not that we wouldn't, but um, yeah. But in a sense, that whole barrier to flexibility and agility yeah. and remote working has has been got, has been banished hasn't it because it really people has. have really. on the whole really stepped up haven't they so yeah. um so that's got to be a good really thing have. for diversity and inclusion as well so finally then um with our bears exhausted <laughs> um <laughs> where was your most memorable picnic and why <laughs> You mean real picnic? Yeah, real picnic. Oh, real picnic. Um, my most memorable picnic would be with my father and my brother when I was probably about seven or so. And we'd been, I have a sister, but she'd have been a baby. Um, we'd been mackerel fishing in Cornwall. And I think we'd got up at, I don't know, 5.30 or 6 o'clock. It was the most exciting thing. I remember going out with dad with these, with you know, we had no money and we just had little string. He, everything was all a very Heath Robinson, all his little gadgets that he used to make on the boat, no proper no proper hooks or anything. And we came back with all these mackerels and he made a little barbecue and we had them for breakfast. I remember that. Oh, that's lovely. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. Oh, Ali, thank you so much for your time. It's been really good to talk very and welcome. just take a, take a step back and reflect on all the things that happened over the last two two years but also what's exciting about what's coming up in the future so thank you so much thank you you've been listening to the challengers a vccp business podcast series for more episodes visit our website vccp.com forward slash capabilities forward slash business